Have you ever felt that pang of disappointment when you couldn't add a ticket to your collection because it was digital? Or maybe you just lost it. Well, Stubforge.com is here to change that. Imagine this, tickets that not only look but feel like the real deal. Because each ticket from Stubforge is printed on the same quality stock that Ticketmaster uses and printed with genuine ticket printers. It's like holding a piece of the concert, the game or the show right in your hands. But Stubforge isn't just about replacing tickets. With the easy-to-use interactive designer, you can create custom tickets for anything from concerts to sports games, pregnancy announcements or parties. Why not make your invitations stand out with tickets that are as unique as your event? And if you're trying to complete a back catalogue of missing tickets, Stubforge offers bulk discounts to make it both easy and affordable. With Stubforge, you can once more give your loved ones physical tickets and see their eyes light up instantly at the best gift you can give. So whether you're looking to reignite your ticket collection, craft the perfect gift, or send the coolest invites, head over to stubforge.com. Start creating today and see how Stubforge makes every ticket a story worth saving. Visit stubforge.com and start making tickets today. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Live on Fireside. Hello and welcome back to Guilty Greeny. We are live here on Fireside from the Climate Collab Auditorium and we are your imperfect hosts. I am Kate Bagby. And I'm Sarah Ferris and we are tired of perfectionism and trying to live more sustainably. Personally, I feel that if I'm not living in my mud-bricked, solar-powered home, eating hoo-hoo grubs and foraged mushrooms, then I'm pooping all over this glorious planet, no matter which way I turn. So let's get real for a minute and focus on what we can achieve because granted mud bricks and hoo-hoo grubs they're sustainable and perhaps even a perfect pairing just not anywhere near me so join us as we bear all we'll share our own guilt share our own journeys and just add some levity in our attempts and fails to be more eco-friendly but in the real world right Kate? Yes yes and I have so many questions right off the bat like what are hoo-hoo grubs? Don't you know what a hoo-hoo grub no, is? I don't, I don't. And I have a feeling this show is going to be entertaining at, at, for no one else <laughs> than ourselves. We are going to share our own journeys, the good, the bad, and already the laughable. Today, we are diving into the great bag debate. Paper, plastic, cotton, what's the best choice? Let's find out. Yeah, because I've actually got no idea what the right answer is here. I feel like any which way I turn, I'm probably doing it wrong. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you're going to tell me. Oh, I don't either. So that's it. Show over. No idea. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was our well, shortest show ever. <laughs> Well, this week, I'm talking about bags with Bagby. How good is that? That was actually my nickname <laughs> in high school. Well, it's begging for it, really, to be fair. Today's topic came about because Janelle, who's in our audience, asked the question about reusable bags. 
I love that. We've got a listener that has given us a topic. It's amazing. I want to start by asking you this. How many bag options are there? How many fingers and toes do you have? Multiply that. (laughs) Um, There's so many different configurations of bags. I think we should stick to the main three, which are paper. Think of like a paper grocery bag, right? The standard brown ones. Plastic. And when we think of plastic bags, what we know is single use. And then the cotton reusable bag that has taken the world by storm in the last couple years. Everybody loves a tote. Oh my God. And everyone's either giving them away or they're, well, I won't give away the ending yet, but every brand is putting them out there as like, here's a sustainable option. Mm. Out of those three, which one do you think is the more sustainable option? I used to think that it was the cotton reusable tote, but I have heard whispers on the wind that it's not the case. So I will say paper then, recycled paper bag, very specifically. Okay. I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Well, I knew I was. I also have to tell you I've never used a paper bag in my life to do my shopping. Really? Wait, what? cotton. (laughs) Hold, Hold on. Our grocery stores, even growing up, you get two options, paper or plastic. They literally ask you at the checkout, paper or plastic. Oh, ours were pretty much plastic or grab a box from the emptied whatever. I wanted to dig into that, but that's a whole different conversation. Here at wholesale stores like Costco or BJ's, you can go pick out a box. Otherwise, you don't get bags at all. So you can either carry it out, just put it in the shopping cart, wheel it out to your car and fill it up, or you can just pick a box. And I actually love that because you're reusing the packaging it came in. Of course. I'm wondering also because the paper bag thing, it's not very big where I've grown up in New Zealand. I've got Mm. mild flashbacks of maybe feeling that paper bag, but it wasn't like a common thing like you are saying, plastic or paper. Super common here. And then as you brought up the size of the bag, because obviously the sizes will vary, but in the US, the standard paper bag will hold about 14 items while the standard plastic, and we're talking grocery store bags, will hold anywhere between five to 10 items. So there's a volume adjustment too. Ooh, we're doing maths. Welcome, people. I won't do it, Sarah. (laughs) Paper bags are actually more... I'm going to say this and then I'm going to back up and explain it. How's that? Yeah, go for it. Paper bags are more environmentally stressing than plastic is. And out of plastic, paper, or cotton, plastic comes out as having the lowest cumulative environmental footprint. No, stop it. Are you joking? There's got to be a massive but. Massive, massive B-U-T in there. This came out of several different studies. The one that's most cited and most popular was a 2018 life cycle assessment out of Denmark. It took into account manufacturing of the product. That takes into account water usage, chemicals, energy usage. I don't think it took into account the human impact. That's something that's missing from environmental studies, and it drives me nuts. It also took into account the number of times it was used. It took into account how it's disposed of, when it is properly disposed, recycled, or incinerated. But it did not, and this is a major, major but, huge asterisk here, it did not take into account when things don't go according to plan. And as we know, in the world of plastics, most of it ends up in our waterways and is not properly disposed of. So I think a really important thing to consider. Yeah, I agree. But also, can you actually recycle those plastic bags? Because over here in the UK, 
you can't recycle a plastic bag like a single-use plastic bag doesn't go into our recycling bin, right? Yeah, no, you can't. When I say you can't recycle it, you can't throw it into your curbside recycling bin. That's a big no-no. Right. And As, is that – so when you're saying that you're recycling that bag, are you just saying that you're reusing that sort of single-use plastic bag over and over again until it n- breaks down? No. Okay. This study was based on when they were talking about single use, and we'll dig into this in a second, but this was based on two usages for that bag. One, to carry home your groceries or whatever you're carrying home, and two, using it as like a trash bin liner or something like that. Right. So it was based on those two. When I say recycling, there are recycling facilities specifically for plastic bags. They have to be sorted from other plastics because it is a particular type of plastic. It needs to be broken down, certain machinery, different type of recycling facility. Some stores, when you walk in, do they have this in the UK where there's like a bottle deposit? You can drop off your plastic or glass bottles or aluminum. Mm -hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Some stores will actually have that specifically for plastic bags. They will have a Mm -hmm. bin for you to put your plastic bags in and they go to a special recycling facility to be dealt with. However... However, however. There's always a however. Right. A 2000 study found that only 1% of plastic bags are recycled. Not can be, are recycled. Most of them that find their way through the appropriate channels don't end up as waste, don't end up in a landfill or waterway or so on and so forth. A lot of them actually are incinerated. And I'm not saying burn your plastic bags at home. Please, please do not. (laughs) Please don't do that. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to set a plastic bonfire. But is that not really bad? Like the chemicals and stuff in it if you burn it? Yeah. Right. It doesn't seem like plastic is such a great option then. I mean, the other two must be horrific if that's the best option. Well, so that's the thing. If we're looking at the long-term impact, that wasn't discussed. We know in, was it 2020, 2019, there was a whale that washed up on shore in, I believe it was France. It had 80 pounds of plastic in its stomach. Oh God, I do remember that. Including plastic bags. And so- I think when we're talking about the fact that plastic is viewed as actually one of the more sustainable in terms of environmentally friendly options, we're talking about this from a creation standpoint. We're not talking about its entire life cycle because it hasn't been covered. Also, what's not talked about is the health and welfare of animals, ocean pollution, microplastics, how that affects human health. How does it affect tourism, right? If you roll up to a beach with a ton of plastic on the shore, chances are you're not like pitching a chair and going, "Mm, this is relaxing. Absolutely. So it's trying to strike that balance between a product that is actually sustainably made and then sustainably disposed of. And you're saying that the plastic is the best option that we've got still out of these three (laughs) options, paper, cotton, and plastic. Oh my God, that's depressing. I'll give you at the very end what I think the best option is. How's that? Yeah, give us a little suspense. All right, so you know how we talked about a plastic bag based off of being used twice, once to carry things home, once as like a bin liner or just any other usage. Yeah. For a paper bag, the equivalent, it would need to be used three to 43 times to offset the environmental cost of creation. Okay, and it's paper. (laughs) Who is using a paper bag 43 times? times. No, you stick your (laughs) groceries in that and then you get, I mean, like today, a leaking packet of beetroot, for example. Or anything that's sweating. It's Mm going to tear right through the bag. I switched, if I 
don't remember my reusable bags, I do ask for paper because I've just always assumed paper is the better option. And I will reuse them for different things. If I'm cooking with grease in the kitchen, I'll use it to absorb grease off of food. Ooh, then, that's a good idea. Well, that not for this episode. It gets tricky because then you can't recycle it because you can't have grease on paper. Oh, my God, yeah, very different story. I know. There's so many little nuances. Oh, you can't win. I will compost. I'll put them in my compost bin. Mm-hmm. That's good. I've also made my niece's little elf costumes out of paper bags. That's impressive. That's the only time I've been crafty in my adult life. I will end it there <laughs> at a high that. point. <laughs> I must see these elf paper bag costumes. They sound impressive. I'll send you a picture. But yeah, three to 43 times it has to be used. It is the obviously the least durable option. The good news, slight good news here is that 14 to 20 percent, two different studies, one out of 2018, one out of 2020, 14 to 20 percent are recycled. That's still not great, though. 14 to 20%. You know, what's happening to the rest of the 80%? What are they doing? They're just single use then. They're ending up in landfills, essentially. And without the appropriate environment for them to break down, they take longer to break down. Uh, It's a bigger release of in landfills methane. This is a huge issue. It's the same as sending food scraps to a landfill. They need the proper environment to break down. And if not provided that, it can actually have an adverse environmental impact. Right. All good news here on the Guilty Greenie today. <laughs> Tune in next week to be more depressed. There's a lot of guilt. <laughs> We're getting an extra side of guilt today. Okay, so paper bags, mm, I'm on the fence on that. They're difficult to make too. They're pretty toxic to make. Like the chemicals needed, the dyes, water usage is really high, energy usage is really high. And paper bag consumption in the U.S. is estimated around 10 billion bags a year. Single-use plastic sits around 14 billion. So it's slightly less than plastic bags, but still pretty high. That requires 14 million trees. (gasps) Hold on. I (laughs) assumed these paper bags were made out of recycled paper or something. Some are. But not all. No, but not all. I am not a scientist. I am not an expert in the process whatsoever, but I was, you know, curious, dug into it a little bit. And what I came up with is these trees have to sit for three years before they can use in the paper process. And the bark is stripped off, it's dried, and then it's pressed down into a pulp, and there's a whole chemical process. And then to recycle them, you can put paper bags in your curbside recycling. The same process has to happen again. Essentially, they need to be broken down. They need to be stripped. They need to be made into the sludge, which requires a lot of water, a lot of energy, a lot of chemicals. Mm. And every single time you do it, much like plastic, the fiber gets weaker and it gets shorter. So its lifespan in terms of how many times it can be recycled is not great. I'm having flashbacks to when I was in school and we had to make recycled paper and the process of that. It's not an easy process. In school, did you have to cover your books? Yeah, they still do that here, but they make the kids do it with plastic. Honestly, the UK is so uneco over here. You've got to have sticky back plastic. What we used to do was magazine covers or recycled newspaper or something to cover it or old wrapping paper. But no, over here, the things that they do, honestly, they're so backwards sometimes in the UK. Sticky back plastic. And if you don't, you get a detention. 
unbelievable. <gasps> no, are you being um, serious? I'm being serious. I'm being serious. If it's not covered in like clear sticky back plastic, they'll have a conniption. So we always use paper bags, the grocery bags, and then you could draw on them all semester. It was great. Of course. Makes good sense. I like yeah. it. All right. So the paper I, I, bag is, again, it's kind of one of those things, isn't it? It's too much upfront in the manufacturing side of things. And then actually yeah. the disposal side of things isn't great either because it's going back into that same cycle at very best. And uh, yeah. Okay. And the usage, right? So it has to be used up to 43 times to equal the cumulative environmental footprint. Again, not taking into account. I'm just going to repeat this because I know someone's going to be listening and being like, no, plastic's really bad. We know plastic is terrible. This study did not talk about what happens when it is not properly disposed of or recycled. So 43 times to equal the asterisk, quote unquote, environmental cumulative impact of a single use plastic bag. Which let's just back it up on that. 43 times on a paper bag, it feels impossible. Well, if you could wrap your textbooks, yeah. How many days mm-hmm. of class you got? <laughs> that would work. Maybe, maybe. Oh. Okay, if you think paper has a high number of usage in order to even out, reusable cotton tote bags. Take a guess. So your question is, how many uses do I think a cotton bag needs to break even? Yeah, conventional. We'll start with conventional. I broke cotton bags down into traditional cotton and organic cotton. When I say traditional, we're talking about like heavy pesticide use, what they call conventionally grown crops, although there's nothing conventional about dousing the land in chemicals. I don't even know anything about the organic or whatever. So yeah, we can do a whole topic on that. I don't know. I'm going to pluck a number out of the air. And so if paper bags are 43-ish, I'm going to say 100. I'm just pulling a number out. Close? Conventional cotton. Ready for this? No one's ready for this. 7,000 times. What the actual f- you're joking? 7,000 times for conventional cotton bag. Wow. You want to know what organic okay. cotton is? Yeah. Is it markedly different? Oh, yes. World's different. Okay. Far 54 away. 54 years of daily use, 20,000 times. S- I- right? <laughs> okay, hold on. Organic cotton is worse than the other cotton. Cotton, mm-hmm. cotton. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. I'm thinking about the cotton tote bags I've got. Would I get 7,000 uses out of them? It's 54 okay. years per bag for organic cotton, 54 years every day. God, Lord. Okay. I think the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> You'd have to be like, right, I'm taking my dog for a walk and my cotton tote bag for a walk just to get the wear out of it, wouldn't yeah. you? It's Why is heavy. that? Cotton is a very, very thirsty crop and will lump these cotton bags into the fashion supply chain or the textile supply chain. That's a broader term. Most mm-hmm. of the impact in the textile supply chains comes from upstream, and I believe it's around 70%. When I say upstream, we're talking about the farming of materials down to everything right up until it's pretty much sold to the customer. So we're talking about uh, water and energy usage for turning those fibers into a thread, turning that thread into a wearable item, using chemicals to dye them, uh, you know, anti-wrinkle or wrinkle-free chemicals, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 70% of pollution within the fashion textile industry is upstream. When it comes to cotton, one, we know it's a very, very thirsty crop. It requires a ton of water. Organic cotton actually has a lower yield. Right. That makes sense. 
So it not only has a lower yield, but then it requires actually more water. And it's estimated around 30% more resources to produce the same amount as conventional cotton. My mind is just blown. And I'll tell you, I've been to a number of things over the last couple of weeks. And the free goodie bag that we're giving out at CrimeCon and then at the awards thing I went to, they were all filled with tote bags. All of them. Like I've collected six more tote bags that were just given to me. There was even a tote bag inside a tote bag. Now I'm just adding up the years. I'm just praying they weren't organic, which is probably the worst thing I could say. So that's the thing. You don't want to support the use of pesticides that are running into waterways, specifically in the communities that contribute the least, but are hands down the most impacted in terms of health and And actually, we should talk about that. I'm going to touch on this really quick because it's something that is very important to me. When we're looking at environmental impact studies or the long-term studies, one thing that is often missing, especially in the climate change space, is the impact to human life. A lot of times we'll Mm -hmm. talk about what happened to a whale, okay? But why aren't we talking about what's happening to Indian farmers? Or why aren't we talking about forced child labor or Mm -hmm. the fact that 20% of the world's cotton is produced in China, and they've been accused of forced labor and imprisonment of the Uyghur population. It's to the point where a lot of brands have actually stopped getting their cotton from them because these are massive human rights injustices. And then the use of pesticides leads to really harsh health complications long term. Financially, they can sink entire communities I just wanted to add that in there because when we are talking about materials, we do need to talk about the impact, not just on the wearer, but on the individuals who are actually growing and creating these products. Absolutely. It's something that I don't even think about when I'm carrying around my tote bag. Is there any place that I can get like guilt-free cotton? Is there such a thing? Should I be looking for a a little label? Gots is the biggest one. What is it? Gots. G-O-T-S. Okay. Like Game of Thrones. That's how I'm going to remember it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) They are one of the leading textile standards for organic fibers. Fair Trade is another one that I happen to like. Mm -hmm. The Gots one. How do you know if you're buying a product that's got, you know. It'll have their stamp on it. Okay. Like it'll say Gots certified. And are they out there? A lot? Is this like something that's like a needle in a haystack to find? Or can you find these? I just haven't been looking for them. A lot of people don't pay attention to labels in general. They just look at a price tag or look at the size. (laughs) You're just talking (laughs) to me. So yeah. GOTS is definitely out there. It's just a matter of retraining your eye as to where to look for these certifications. And even Target carries certain brands that have gone through different labeling schemes to ensure that they are meeting the standards in terms of whether a fiber is organic, whether it's made with the community in mind, with fair practices, labor practices. We could do an entire, and maybe we should do an entire show on certifications because different certifications mean different things. No, I think that's a good idea. But also I was just thinking what we could do is on our Guilty Greenie Instagram, we can put pictures or images of what these actual labels look like. Yeah, no, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. But Um, at the end of the day, you're still saying that the cotton is not what we should be doing and carrying our food. I told you. I'm I'm (laughs) going to say at the end what I think. I'll give you my honest opinion then. All right, very quickly, let's finish up cotton because we should talk about end of life. We should talk about recycling because that's part Mm -hmm. of it as Mm -hmm. well. 
It's estimated 30.30 million tons of cotton are produced every year. Only 15% of that ends up at textile depositories. So again, we're talking about things that need to be properly recycled. You can't just throw a cotton tote bag into the trash or into your recycling bin. You can't do right. that. So it's not just going to decompose when it goes into landfill. Right. It will eventually, but it'll take a very long time. It needs to go to a textile depository. It's just like the plastic bags. They have to go to special recyclers. One of the problems that's been relayed about even at these specialty recyclers, we know that textile recycling, it's not the it's not super scaled yet. Uh, it's difficult to recycle textiles, especially if there's more than one fiber in there, because being able to separate those fibers is very tough. The logos on the bags are actually what present the problem. When if you say logos, do you mean what, just printed logos, woven both. logos? Woven logos actually have to be taken off. And there's not a machine that's going to fit every single logo. So often that's done by hand, if it's done at all. And then the ink logos, depending on what the ink is, that could be a toxic ink or that could be a clean ink, but they all have to be treated somewhat separately. Not a straightforward process. No, nothing good is happening. Like I want a nice clear (laughs) cut. Sarah, do this. This is confusing me so much more. I have to say, I want a clean answer. When you find that host, let me know because I will listen in. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a complicated topic, isn't it? It really is. Nothing's ever straightforward. And I think it's weighing up the best option, the lightest footprint we can put on the planet with it. Exactly. If you're loving all this free content and thinking, how can I support the podcast? Well, one way is to support our sponsors like this one. I don't know about you, but I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or my favorite, even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. The battery lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It has over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, which makes them an awesome present. Go to BlendJet2.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code FERRIS12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. That's FERRIS, as in my last name, F for frog, E-R-R-I-S for sugar, 12. Whatever way you remember it, Ferris 12 into the website. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Plus, as a bonus, it's a great way to support the podcast. And if you can't remember Ferris 12, go to the show notes and click the link. This is a good time to go to your challenge from our last episode because as consumers, we know we can shift our behavior, but more importantly, we can tell brands and governments what we want, what we don't want. And your challenge last episode was to write to a company or government to ask them to change a certain behavior. And I asked you to ask your family to do it too. So hit me with it. What happened? Wow. You know how it's called the guilty greenie? I'm feeling very guilty about this one because it was such hard yards. But as usual, I've done a little audio clip for you. I always record when I tell the family what the challenge is and you can hear the reaction and see what I'm up against. So here we go. 
so this week's Guilty Greeny challenge is that each of us have to choose a company that has a redundant product. Can you think of any products off the top of your head? Starbucks. They have plastic cups. Well, there's your first letter. What are, we, what are you thinking, Gaz? This is, like, it requires effort. Yeah. So does saving the planet. Josh, can you think of a product that you'd like to swap out? Um, guns in America. Okay, well, that's a different podcast. We've quite heard this one. I think you need to give us more time to think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, so you see what I was up against, right? Okay, can I just say, those responses were a range of emotions, and I was here for every one of them. I just... We went from Starbucks to guns to more time, and he's had three weeks. So if that's not enough time. I tell you what, it's not enough time. To be fair, Aviana kind of recognized straight away that Starbucks was a bad thing. So she only went to Starbucks three times this week. Oh, well done. Uh, So I'm talking like epic fail in our household. The only person who actually uh, managed to do anything was moi, myself, of course. So who'd you write to? I was staying at a hotel in the middle of London and at the breakfast, all of the little puddles of food were in plastic containers with plastic lids on them. Like I'm talking plastic on plastic, which is completely unnecessary. You've got a bowl, you've got a dishwasher, sort it out. That was mind blown. I was like, that's ridiculous. So I wrote to them. I think I tweeted and I emailed on the response form when they said, have you got any feedback after the uh, the stay? No response at all. But hopefully I'm going there next year for a similar thing and I will be checking in to see if they've made a change. I couldn't understand for the life of me. But then I was thinking maybe because we've got staff, like hospitality shortages at the moment in, in the UK because of Brexit and God, I couldn't even tell you why. You think if you get one person to put plastic lids on, you could get one person to put them in the dishwasher. Just <laughs> right. a thought. That's so true. You're you're so right. It was ridiculous. Anyway, that really annoyed me. The other thing is my elder daughter insisted that I hadn't included her on the challenge I had. She'd just walked out of the room and ignored me as usual. But she (laughs) said last night at dinner when I said, okay, so how's everybody gone with their challenge? What have you come up with? And she said, well, I can think of one straight away that needs to be gone. And she said, blockbusters videos. And I went, I think it's already done. But then she said HMV, which is like a music store. She said, there's no reason that anyone should be selling discs at the moment because you can stream everything. I have questions not necessarily pertaining to the challenge itself, but if you don't mind me asking, how old is she? She's 18. 18. Mm-hmm. And she thinks Blockbuster is still around. <laughs> I know. I just, I have I know. so many questions I don't even on know how that. she knew about Blockbusters, to be honest. Well, like- they made a documentary not too long ago about the last Blockbuster. It does exist. There is one that still exists because now it's become this tourist trap where people want to go and visit and get nostalgia it's like the pyramids exactly like the pyramids exactly like the pyramids yep in in Bend, Oregon okay well I won't be putting that on my tour list I can tell you that much I am pretty sure they give tote bags like you can buy a blockbuster tote bag (laughs) to put your plastic VHS in there as well I was going to say the other thing that I noticed about this challenge was over the three-week period that was in the back of my mind thinking, okay, what am I looking for? It was actually surprisingly hard to find a product because a lot of the places that I was going to had made those eco swaps that 
probably only maybe six months to a year ago weren't in there. So there was no plastic forks. There was always sort of sustainable, well, the choices that they'd made were on the right path. I was pleased about that and it did make me conscious. The other thing that happened was my husband, I think his mindset has changed because of these challenges that we're putting out there. And he went to a cooking thing for work. What kind of jobs he have? That sounds like a great workout. I know. It was one of those offsite kind of team building things, which is actually probably his nightmare, but he went to it. And they did this cooking thing. And he said, actually, I asked them, how sustainable is this? And they said, all of our products are locally sourced and blah, blah, blah. He'd asked the question. I mean, he had asked the question. So that's that's progress. That's That's awesome. This is more to the heart of how to live more sustainably is A, start asking those questions. Even Mm. if you don't get the answer you like, even if you don't know what to do with that information, The more you start to ask questions, the more you start to think about things, the more you start to see certain things and speak up. But if you don't know, you don't know. You only know what you don't know. So true. Is that how that goes? I don't know. (laughs) Don't ask me. I'm terrible. I'll screw up any quote. It also shows that as individuals, we're more willing to be like, just tell me what type of bag to use rather than I should send an email off or send a tweet out. I find that really interesting. And I think it comes down to wanting to feel like we are in control. Whereas if we send an email off, we don't know where that goes. We don't know what the outcome will be. We have no idea. No, I think you're right. And it comes down to time, doesn't it? Who has yes. the time to chase that? We just want to know we're doing the right thing straight away. Yeah. Just- I think tweeting is better because then you can see it and other people can see it, which gets other people excited. And there's that saying, again, I'm going to butcher this. It's like, what difference does one plastic straw make said 1 billion people? I think you got that one right. If everyone's writing to that same hotel, let's say someone sees your tweet and then another person, next thing you know, there's 200, 500 people writing into this hotel and being like, hey, why are you doing this? That's powerful peer pressure. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of that. As long as it's not mob mentality, don't do that. Just, oh, God. Why does there always have to be as long as there's not? I might have mom mentality. <laughs> Maybe that's what we should We should have named it the, the guilty greenie as long as it's not. Or let me add an asterisk. <laughs> yeah. Here's a disclaimer. <laughs> I like it. I think we should start with our guilty greenie high points. What have you got to tell me? Have you had some exciting high points? No. <laughs> no, I'm trying to what? think. All right. I, I do have a high point. You know me. I'm kind of a homebody. I don't shop a lot. I don't go out and do a lot of stuff, plus COVID times and all that. But I will say this. So high point for me, it's fall here or autumn in New England. And while the leaves are absolutely beautiful and changing colors, they are also falling faster than I can manage them. Love the fall. Mm, Don't like the cleanup. And I've decided this year, I'm not really doing a cleanup. I've been doing that for probably a few decades now, Kate, and it's worked very well for me. Brownie points to you, Sarah. I I like to let the planet do its own work on its leaves. If it feels the need to drop leaves all over my garden, then it can let them do whatever it needs to with them, yeah. Yeah, I read an article, this was a while ago, talking about how important leaves are to the ecosystem in creating habitats for different critters that help with soil health and essentially creates this little shield, helps trap in moisture, gets the soil, you know, in composting, nutrient dense. And so I've just decided this year, I'm going to rake them to the areas they need to be in for the most part. 
and shredding some of them to go in our compost pile, which we do every year. But I don't know if it's just a lazy attitude or I'm embracing kind of more soil health this year. I don't think there's any shame in embracing either of those things, but mine's definitely a lazy attitude. But what I like in what you've just said is I've been winning the whole time. Yeah. Like I've been creating probably the largest areas of soil health that I can possibly do in my backyard. We should do an episode on Yay. how laziness is the best sustainability move you can exactly. make, I think. <laughs> okay. Tell me your high point. Or points? Okay. Well, mine is related to one of our old challenges that we did, which was the laundry challenge. And do you know what I'm really loving? I went into uh, my local refill larder, and I think I mentioned it on the last one that we had done, but I hadn't by that stage used the laundry sheets. So they're little like strips of paper that are actually a whole laundry detergent in a little papery rectangle. It's wizardry. I don't know how it works, but you put it in. And everything comes out smelling delicious and I feel so guilt-free and I love it. After our episode on that too, I switched over to the laundry sheets and I won't go back. I love them. Me too. And you know, my thing with the laundry sheets is I thought I do so much bloody laundry that I'm going to need reams of those sheets. But actually, they seem to be lasting a really long time. I've only bought one packet and uh, I think it had 40 in it and I'm nowhere near. I don't know if I'm just doing less laundry, who knows, but. I'm liking them. That's my win. Slowly rubbing off on you, Sarah. Less laundry, laundry sheets. By the end of this year, no one's going to recognize you, I have a feeling. I know. I know. And all those things like my garden that are already sustainable, who knew? Just add that to the list. Yeah. I second the laundry sheets. I I won't go back. They're so convenient. They're eco-friendly. And can I just say as a bonus, they're less messy than using liquid detergent. Yes. Or powder. Absolutely. Yeah, like liquid yeah, detergent, yeah. it runs down the side of the bottle. And then if it's colored, which we all know, go back. If anybody doesn't know, go back and listen to that episode. Which one was it? Was it our first one? Was it laundry? It might have been like our first one, I think. Yeah, yeah. laundry. We well, really we talk- started with the sexy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting those engines going in the laundry room. Surprise, um, we still got any listeners to be fair. <laughs> Yeah, we talked all about different types of laundry, which ones were more environmentally friendly, plastic usage, all that kind of stuff. A lot of laundry detergent is that blue color and that stuff stains. I know it's supposed to clean your clothes, but it will stain your countertop and stuff. It's gross. Oh, everywhere. And then, yeah, it's so much more child safe and uh, child rather proof when they're doing the laundry as well. So they can't really screw up. Okay, we talked about the highs. Now that we've got everybody super excited about the possibilities of sustainability, <laughs> let's bring it down a notch. Let's level it out and talk oh about low points and fails. So do where are you, you at? Know, do you know what's really funny is I've just realized that my low point is also related to my laundry. And I think that is the saddest thing I've ever realized about myself. But <laughs> my highs and my lows this week Listen, are the laundry. If your low point in life is laundry, I'd say you're doing just fine. You're good. You're succeeding at life. It shouldn't be my high point though. That's my point. Right, okay. So my low point is actually... I don't know if you've noticed this about me, but I'm kind of the glass is always half full. So my low point came off the back of yet another one of my eco fails. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, I had to order some badges for a crime con that I was going to, and I decided to use eco badges. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what was the outcome? Well, how's this tying to laundry? All right. Oh, wait. <laughs> so I had a lovely time at CrimeCon and everywhere I went, I was like, oh, these are my eco badges. Aren't I just wonderful? 
I'm saving the planet one badge at a time. And people were like, oh, they're really good. And then I was like, don't go outside in the rain. They will disintegrate. They're made of paper. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I get home and I'm just doing my laundry as I do. And then the following week, whatever, I pull out the dress that I'd worn and I just see just a pin. There's just a pin with a a round circle of white stuck on my dress. It completely dissipated. But the amazing thing about it is that it didn't go paper everywhere. So I thought that was a bit of a crap product, to be fair. I mean, they weren't supposed to go through the wash. But that's anyway, that's my loss, my low point. Not that much of a low point, but, um, you know, made me laugh. What's yours? Admittedly, when we talked about laundry, why is it always laundry? I don't know. Thorn in our sides. We should play laundry bingo for every (laughs) every time we do. We have to yell bingo or something. Yeah, every time we do an episode, we'll do free printables. No, online. We can't have people printing. That's not eco-friendly. We'll have an online bingo game for the guilty greenie and we'll put laundry terms on it. <laughs> and what the prize is, is I don't know. Just the sad understanding that Sarah and I can only seem to talk about laundry. That's it. So my low is, admittedly, I haven't done laundry in a while. Like I don't wash my clothes frequently unless they're really bad and then I'll spot wash and stuff like that. But it actually got to the point where I was just like, okay, I've been hoarding piles of laundry in my closet. So I did a massive wash this weekend and I probably did between my husband, myself and dog blankets and bedding and stuff. I probably did close to eight or 10 loads of laundry. That's just a week for me. That's just a week. Yeah, for me it was yeah. a lot. I know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I have to say, though, strips came in handy. Everything came out smelling fantastic. <laughs> exactly. I can't smell you from here like I could beforehand with your filthy, <laughs> filthy lack of washing over there. Unbelievable. So I got to take my quarterly shower. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, your quarterly shower and my once a year sheet washing because I live in the UK. Oh. Okay. Well, that's right. not too bad. Right, let's move on. All right. I have a challenge to give you for next week. But before we talk about the next show's challenge, do you want my paper plastic cotton? Yes. Okay. Tell me. Tell me the answer. Use what you have. Seriously. Use what you have first and foremost. And if you don't have a reusable bag or something like that, just show up at Sarah's house. She will be (laughs) handing them out for free. I've got six (laughs) totes that are fresh as a daisy and I've got at least 54 (laughs) years on each of them. (laughs) Um, you know, ask a neighbor, put it in your local post looking for reusable cotton bags or whatever. Someone has a stash of them. And so I would say use what's already out there, use what you have. And the data does show us that it's not necessarily what you use. It is what you put in that bag and how you get to and from. I like that. I'm just imagining, Kate, that when I write my will, which I should really do, nobody kill me in the meantime, I'm going to actually leave tote bags to all of my children that have still got years left on them. (laughs) I'll be like, oh my gosh, as long as you got to put a note in them though, that says this one has 23 years left. I feel like that. So I think it's more important what you put in it, how you get to and from locally grown, seasonal fruits and veggies to me. I think more important when we're looking at carbon footprints and also how you're getting Mm -hmm. there. Are you a single user of a vehicle or are you taking public transportation or are you walking or biking? I think those are probably the more important questions along with using what you already have. And secondly, I still will not choose plastic. 
I understand if we look at that study, it will tell us that plastic has the lowest cumulative environmental impact. But I also think that study is missing so, so much on the back end of it that I can't in good faith continue to support the petrochemical industry. Yeah, I can't do the plastic either. I'm not going to lie. But thankfully, I've got plenty of totes. (laughs) I'm winning. Right. So I'm nervous. Challenge time. I think the family's going to like this. And now that I know your husband's on the cooking thing, I think this could be really fun. Oh, let me just redirect that, Kate. You know, I say (laughs) cooking thing once. He cooked once. He didn't even cook at home. And now you got to ask him to practice his skills at home. All right. Okay. With food consumption comes food waste. I'm challenging you to cook a dinner for the entire family. It can't just be for yourself. And it doesn't have to be you. You can pawn this off on one of your children if you want or your husband. God, I'm so nervous now, Kate. Where is this going? You have to do a zero food waste dinner. What does that even mean? What? What does that mean? So no food scraps left over, no like carrot tops or no vegetable peels or you've got to figure out how to make a zero food waste dinner. And leftovers are fine as long as they're consumed. Leftovers are fine. Right. Okay. Hold on. At the eating end, I'm not going to have a problem with that because (laughs) 16-year-old is inhaling anything he can get his hands on. But the other end's quite hard, isn't it? So I've got to think of a recipe that will feed everyone. It can't even come out of a tin. I'm not going to say no packaging waste. I'm just going to say no food waste. We'll work our way up to no packaging waste. All right. Start me out with baby steps. Let's clarify. You're saying that if I'm using a vegetable, I have to use the whole vegetable. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Oh, my God. That's up to you to decide. Oh, my God. This is already <laughs> stressing me out. Let's say you're using cabbage or something, right? You're not going to use an entire cabbage, but if you're going like, to package up the other half of the cabbage and use it later. I don't consider that food waste. What I'm saying is if you go to cut the top off of a carrot, you have to figure out how to use the top of the carrot in that dish. <laughs> okay. No food in the trash. All right. I'm liking this challenge. It's getting my brain like the juices are flowing. I'm already thinking about it. It's good. Okay. Okay. Challenge accepted. All right. I shall see how I go. I might send you a little dish. Oh, sorry. It'll have carbon footprint. You can't. You just have to lick the photo I put on Instagram. (laughs) You should peel the carrot and then for dessert you can do candied carrot skins. Sorry. I'm like now planning your meal. Sorry. That's a tough sell, I think. That you do it with like sell. maple syrup and you caramelize them. It's super yummy. Not and also, lie. can I say how much you are wedded to the carrot in this dish? I just find carrots really easy to like not have food waste, but yet for some reason we like waste a ton of it. Like why do we cut the tops off and not eat them when it's perfectly edible? And why do we peel it when we will still we'll sit there and wash an apple and eat that? I don't understand why people have a thing against the outside of a carrot. I, I don't know. I don't know. But. Oh, that's another conversation we can have because I know that there are like uh, certain, I think called the dirty dozens. There's some things that you're not supposed to eat with skin because of the pesticides on them. Oh, which, don't even get me started on that. Yeah, I, I won't get you started on that. No, I won't. not today. Well, let's wind it up. Please do join us next week to see if Sarah accomplished her challenge. And yeah. for more the good, the bad, and the laughable as we tackle our own sustainability journeys exclusively on Fireside in the Climate Collab Auditorium. 
Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Guilty Greenie. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share, rate, and leave five-star review on Apple. It helps others find the podcast and get the climate conversation flowing. Guilty Greenie is an independently made podcast, so if you would like to support the podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com backslash guilty greenie. The more support, the more content for your ears. Follow us on Instagram at Guilty Greenie and join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Make sure to share your experiences, the good, the bad, and the laughable. We'd love to hear from you. And let us know what topics you want to know more about. Until then, stay curiously green. Bye-bye. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing. I'm Sarah Ferris. Join me and my co-host, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program, Catherine Schweit. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've watched the reality of poor planning. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I really sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Our hope is that together we can stop the cries of never again fading into until next time. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave. <laughs>